chapter number 14, Romans chapter 14. Good to see each of you out this morning. Last week, I shared with the second service the story of two young young teens that were in love, and I didn't have the time to share it in the first service, but I know there's some in this service that were in the second service, so just bear with me as I share this story because it's a very important story. There were these two teenagers that were just madly in love with each other, and the uh, girl was telling her parents all about how this, this uh, handsome young man, how great he was, and mom and dad said, well, if you're going to continue to date this man, you have to bring him home and we have to meet him or you can't see him anymore. And so she went to school and told this, this uh, boy, my parents want to see you and, and uh, if we're going to see each other anymore, they have to meet you first. And he says, boy, your parents, they are just old fuddy-duddies. What is wrong with them? We don't do that anymore. If we want to date, we just date. We don't have to get your parents' permission. And she said, well, I think we need to listen to my parents. And so she said, my parents want you to come over for dinner. And he agreed to come. Well, he went to the candy shop and he was going to get a gift to bring to this, to this dinner. And so he went to the candy shop and the fellow that was behind the counter at the candy shop said, how can I help you? He said, I need three boxes of candy. I need a pound of chocolate. I need two pounds of chocolate and I need three pounds of chocolate. I need them all wrapped up separately. And the fellow there at the candy shop said, wow, what do you, what do you got? He said, well, I've got this girl. She is beautiful gorgeous, but her parents are just old-fashioned, stick in the muds, and, they, and I got to meet them. If I want to continue to date this girl, I got to meet them, and, and um, so they invited me over for dinner. He said, what's the chocolate for? He said, well, I'm going to go to dinner. I'm going to get this out of the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, impress her parents. They're going to think I am just, you know, wonderful, and then I'm going to get their daughter out on the front porch. If she comes to the front porch, I'm going to give her a box of chocolate. If she holds my hand, I'm going to give her two boxes, two-pound box of chocolate. If she kisses me, I'm giving her a three-pound box of chocolate. The guy wraps him up and gives him to this boy. And later on that evening, he shows up, he knocks on the door, and the girl's all excited. She sees the boy, brings him in, he comes in, and all the family's already seated at the table, and they introduce themselves. And, and uh, the dad says, well, you know, why don't you be seated? He said, why don't you pray for this meal? And this boy, he started praying. I mean, he started praying, like just prayed the whole plan of salvation through this message. Just kept going and going and going and praying. Like a, like a South Carolina wind-sucking preacher, I mean, he's praying. He's, he's like beads of sweat are coming down as he's praying. He prays for 30 minutes for this meal. He gets all done. The girl looks at him and says, I never knew you were so spiritual. He looked at her and said, I never knew your dad worked at the candy shop. <laughs> <laughs> Romans 14. <laughs> Romans 14. Only if we knew. Romans 14, verse number 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set all not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Father, Lord, today as we look at your word, we're going to, we're going to see what you inspired 
for your church to read these couple thousand years later. Lord, it's still alive. It's still living. It's still truth. Lord, it's your word. And it is there to speak to us, convict us, to reprove us, to encourage us, to straighten us out and cause us to come back to, to reality, what, what is truth before you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us today. I pray your spirit would have free reign here in this place. I pray our hearts would be right. I pray that our um, ears would be, uh, Lord, inclined to listen. And Lord, we don't want to listen to man. We don't want to listen to preferences. We don't want to listen to opinions. Lord, we want to, we want to hear from your spirit today. Lord, we have to hear from him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be right before you. May your spirit have free reign here. May we leave here, Lord, excited that you are our God, thankful that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and rejoicing in the resurrection. We ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach a message today, and we're gonna look at um, two different judgments, two different judgments. Paul is writing to the, to the uh, Romans here, and he is, he's talking to them, and he speaks of them about this, this judgment seat that they're going to, to, going to stand before. He calls it the judgment seat of Christ in verse number 10. And he says something here, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he is motivating them and, and, and helping them to understand uh, that there's going to be a day that all those that know Christ as their Savior, they're going to stand before this judgment seat of Christ. Paul speaks of it also in 2 Corinthians. We'll see that later in the message today. But he's speaking to the Christian. And what he's saying is everyone is going to give an account of himself. There's, there's many that try to motivate people to do right. Matter of fact, preachers are, are, are weary trying to, to figure out how to, how to help the church, how to, how to preach the church and, and, and help the church to live for Christ. And, and oftentimes you'll hear messages, and, and I said this often and, and um, was reminded of this, this even this past week, so many are looking for a place where their, their toes never get stepped on. They, they, they're looking for a church where what the message is, is preached is easy to hear. And we're warned of that in the last days. We're going we're gonna to have churches and people are going to uh, have itchy ears and they're just, just going to desire messages that make them feel good. And I don't think that every time that we come to church that we ought to be beat up per se. I think that we ought to be encouraged. I think that we ought to be helped. But I would say this though, if every time we come to church, if there's never conviction, if we can just continue to live in sin and continue to do the things that we, we always do without any conviction, then there's something wrong. We ought to expect to come to the house of God and, and hear preaching from the word of God. It's a, church is at times a difficult thing, especially for a pastor. They say this, sometimes the loneliest place in the world would be a pastor because you want to be friends. You, 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 you desire to, to have friends, but it's difficult sometimes to preach truth and stand on the word of God and, and, and it not offend people. Paul was one of those that, whether it was easy or whether it was hard, Paul preached it. 
whether it was something that was comfortable or if it was uncomfortable, Paul would preach it because he understood and he taught Timothy the same and Titus would be the same. He taught them and he, he challenged them to preach the word because that's the truth that we need. That's what Christians have to hear. Oftentimes you'll preach a message and it might be on a specific sin that somebody has. And if we're not careful, that message that we hear preach in our sin, instead of it softening our heart, it might even harden our heart. As we look at Romans chapter 14 and look at these couple judgment seats that we're gonna, we're gonna see here today, as I was praying through this week and just studying through this passage of scripture, this thought, and Lord led me to this passage of scripture, Lord put on my heart this, if we would constantly have eternity in mind, if we, if we lived for eternity, if every day we were reminded and we live for the fact that every day we realize we woke in the morning and we went to bed in the evening and all throughout the day, our words, our actions, everything we live for, there was a rem constant reminder that there is going to be a judgment seat of Christ that we are going to stand before. And we are going to give an account of how we lived. We're gonna give an account of what we've said. We're gonna give an account. Every, every single person that is a child of God is going to stand at this, ju this judgment seat, this judgment seat of Christ. He says, for we shall all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But I'm afraid in this world and not even just amongst Christians, I think just in general, we've lost our fear of God. We've lost our fear of God. So many people just don't even believe that God exists anymore. There's no fear of God. There's no, no real, realization. There's no reality of there is an eternity. And the reality is this, whether you believe it or not, truth is always truth. You can deny God, but that doesn't mean there is no God. You can deny eternity, but that doesn't mean that eternity doesn't exist. You can think that this life is all there is, and so you, you better live the life that you want, and you better get the things that you want, because what you do in this life is all that matters, because when you're dead, you're dead. You can believe that, and you can sincerely believe that, but the reality is this, truth is always truth. No matter how much I don't want to believe or how much I, I don't want to, to, to uh, uh, think of God or believe there is a God, the reality is this, there is a God. And there is a judgment seat. And the Bible says every single one, those that are saved are gonna stand before that judgment seat. The Bible warns us of lovers of pleasure more than, than lovers of God, those that seek pleasure more than they seek to live for God, and that ought not be, that ought not be in the life of a Christian. Before we get to this judgment seat, I want us to go to Revelation chapter 20. Would you turn there with me, please? Revelation 20. We're going to look at two things today. And every single person here is going to stand at one of these two, but you won't stand at both, but you will stand at one or the other. There's a judgment that every single person is going to stand before. In verse number 11 of chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, in verse number 11, and I saw a great white throne 
and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the whole heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these, those things which were written in the books according to their works. And so there's this great white throne judgment. And here at this great white throne judgment, there's going to be those that are standing here and there's going to be books that are open. And the Bible says they're going to be judged according to their works, how they lived. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and the death and the hell delivered up the dead that were in them. They were judged every man according to their works. Again, we find the same judgment. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. In verse number 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so we find this judgment, the great white throne judgment. And I thought about this horrible scene. And this morning, I want you to think about this great white throne judgment, this, this scene that's going to take place here. There's going to be books that are open and there's going to be those that are going to be judged based upon their works. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire, the Bible says. They're going to be judged. They're going to be ones that have rejected Christ. They're going to be ones that have, have rejected the plan of salvation. And, and they're, going to be, they're going to stand before God at this great white throne judgment. And there is going to be judgment that's going to come. Now, this judgment is different than the judgment we read of in Romans chapter number 14. This judgment is going to be for all those that have rejected Jesus Christ. This is going to be for those that maybe, maybe, maybe they were religious, but they rejected Christ. This is going to be for those that maybe lived a, a good life that they thought that was a good life, but they've rejected Christ. This is going to be for those that thought that they could live however they want to live and do whatever they want to do and, 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 and believe whatever they wanted to believe, but they've rejected Christ. And because of that, when they stand at this white throne judgment, there's going to be nothing there. There's no payment for their sin. The, the blood of Christ isn't covering their sin. The, the, they're going to stand before this account and, and they're going to be judged and they are going to have to pay for all of eternity their sin. There's going to be men, imagine this scene, men like Hitler, men like uh, uh, just, just vile dictators that have murdered and killed people. There's gonna be here at this scene, doctors, abortion doctors that have killed babies by the thousands. There's going to be religious people here that thought that their way was the way. There's going to be people here that gave money to the church and money to religion. And there's going to be people here that said, I, I lived a good life. I, I, I've done everything that I thought was necessary. There's going to be all kinds of people here as these books are open and their works are judged. But I want you to see this. He said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whence whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I want you to see in verse number 12, I saw the dead, small and great, every, everybody. It didn't matter your wealth. It didn't matter your job. It didn't matter your title. It didn't matter what you were like here upon this earth, small or great. They stood before God. Their books were open. They looked and the dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books according to their works. 
want you to see something here. There's no escape from this judgment if you've rejected Christ. The Bible says both small and great. Every, every single person that has rejected Christ, every single human being that thought that they could live how they wanted to live, every human being that has put their faith in something other than Christ, they're going to learn at this judgment that there's no escape. You know, many a times you even see it on the news now when people get caught, they're always pleading for mercy. They're always pleading for grace. They're always looking to, to work a deal and trying to get out of the judgment that's coming or the jail time that's coming or the conviction that's coming. And they're, they're pleading with the judge. And, 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 and I, I don't know, I, I think about this scene and I, I think about all these that, that are going to realize for the first time that eternity is, is real and they're going to realize that there is no escape from this judgment. There's no plea bargain that's taking place here. There's no, there's, no, there's no sinner here that's going to be able to get out of what's coming. There's no escape. I tell you, Christian, is that, I think about that. I think about the people that are gonna stand here at this judgment seat of Christ. I think of those that are neighbors that, have, that need to hear the gospel if they reject the gospel, people that we know are gonna be standing here at this judgment, this great, great white throne judgment. It's not just the evil dictators of this world. It's not just the mass murderers of this world. It's not just the, those that have committed the most heinous crimes, although every one of them are going to be here at this judgment seat or this, this great white throne judgment. Every single person, small and great, they're gonna stand here and they're gonna learn that there's no escape. The Bible tells us as well, not only is there no escape, the Bible tells us that these books are gonna be open and they're gonna be judged according to their works. I want you to write this down. Not only is there gonna be no escape, there's nothing that's going to be hidden. Nothing is going to be hidden. Every secret thing that's ever done is going to be revealed. Every vile act that's ever committed is going to be revealed. Every lie and Every sin that's ever committed is going to be revealed here at this judgment. And a person that has rejected Christ is going to stand here at this judgment, this great white throne judgment, and they're going to realize that there's no escape. They're going to realize that there is nothing hidden. Everything is going to be exposed. And the Bible says this, then they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And for all of eternity... They're gonna pay their sin debt. I want you to write this down, number three, this is the final judgment. They are cast in the lake of fire. There's no hope. There's no way out. The most cruel dictators we cast into the lake of fire, every liar is gonna be cast in the lake of fire. Every single human being that has rejected Christ has rejected the plan of salvation has rejected God. Every single person, they're going, to be, they're going to be cast. This final judgment is going to take place. Death, they're going to find out that it is eternal. They're going to find out this, that they were going to be separated from God for all of eternity because they've rejected Jesus Christ. What a horrible scene that's going to be. I think about the 
the wailing, the, the gnashing of teeth, the crying that's going to take place. Every sin that's ever committed is going to be exposed. And because of that, they're going to have to pay their sin debt for all of eternity. What a horrible scene this is going to be. And hear me today, please understand this. This is going to be a judgment that every single person has rejected Jesus Christ as their savior. This is going to be a judgment that you cannot get out of, that you cannot escape. It isn't this time where you then say, okay, I, I understand the truth now. And, and now, now I plead for mercy. The time for pleading for mercy is done. The, the time of pleading for grace is done. The time for asking salvation is over. This day, this judgment, it's a final judgment. It's an eternal judgment. And from this point forward, all those that have rejected Jesus Christ will spend eternity in the lake of fire. This ought to move us. Because once a person slips into this eternity, there is no hope. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, I pray, I plead with you, I beg with you today to understand and realize there's going to be a judgment that you are gonna stand before. And the only way for you not to stand before this judgment is for you to trust Jesus Christ as your savior. Rejecting him, seals your fate here at this judgment. There's a second judgment. This judgment is different than the first judgment. For the first judgment, they will stand at the great white throne judgment. They'll stand before God and they will not be able to pay their sin debt. They'll not be able to do anything. The sin, the sin is laid out. The, 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 there's no payment that is sufficient the, 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 the judge, the righteous judge, the holy God, his verdict will be death for all of eternity, separation from him, separation from his holiness, separation from God into the lake of fire. He's cast in the lake of fire. There is no hope. This judgment that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter number 14, this judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment is for all those that have trusted Christ as their savior. This judgment is different. Before the great white throne judgment, there is no hope for those. At this judgment, every, every person that stands before Christ here at this judgment, your sins have been forgiven. The final verdict is not going to be uh, uh, depart from me, I never knew thee, and, and cast in the lake of fire. That's not going to be the final verdict for us here at this judgment. The final verdict at this judgment is going to be that, that our sin has been paid for, that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient, that, that Jesus, the, the death on the cross has been the payment for our sin and the resurrection gives us, gives us eternal life. Because of the resurrection, we have power over death and over hell. We, we have eternity with God because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But dear Christian, this is good judgment that we are going to stand before. And although the verdict is going to be different on eternity from the great white throne judgment to the judgment seat of Christ, we though are gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we too are gonna to give an account of our life, how we lived, what we did with the gospel, what, what, what have we done with truth? I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians, if you would, please, this morning as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. This church at Corinth is an interesting church. <clears throat> they heard the gospel preached and they trusted Christ as their savior. They believed in Christ. They were gloriously saved. But what the, what the church at Corinth thought they could do is just, I'm saved and they, they were truly saved and they thought, well, all I'll do is, I'll, I, I trust Christ. This is a, a sincere uh, faith and they, they, were, they were Christians, but they thought they could just continue to live the way they were living before they were saved as well. And so there were some wicked things. Fornication was taking place in the church and, and, and some other, just some other vile things that, that Paul said, it, it can't be here in the church. Now that you're saved, we're to, to live a, a life pleasing to Christ. Now that we're saved, we're to live a life for Christ. We no longer live for ourselves. We no longer live for our, our, our uh, uh, coveting things. We no longer live for the material things of this world. We no longer live for, for money and, 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 and selfish gain. We no longer live for the lust of our flesh. We, only, we no longer live for the, the uh, pride. We, we, we are saved. And from this point forward, there's a battle that rages inside of us between that old nature and the Holy Spirit of God. And we're to feed the Holy Spirit of God and we're to live holy lives acceptable unto God now that we're saved. And Paul writes to this church at Corinth and he's trying to straighten them out, trying to get them to understand they can't do these things anymore and they can't live this way anymore and, and things ought to be different in their life now. And, and then Paul comes to a, a place in 2 Corinthians chapter number five and he writes this to the church. For we must all appear, in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in this body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. He says this, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And what Paul does is Paul gets their focus on the eternal. What Paul is doing is Paul is getting them to understand that there is going to be a judgment seat of Christ that every single Christian is going to stand before. Now, is this going to be one that determines where you spend eternity? No, my friend, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, that then sealed where you're going to spend eternity. Is this going to be one that, that decides if you get heaven or not? No, no. The moment you trusted Christ as your savior, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. There's going to be a place for you in heaven. The day that you were saved, you were adopted into the family of God. You're a child of God. You can call him father and he calls you son or, or daughter. You're in the family of God the moment that you're saved. This judgment seat doesn't decide based upon your works, your judgment, whether it's heaven or hell. But you're going to stand before God. And you're going to answer for the life that you lived here upon this earth. I want you to write this down here at this judgment. Number one, this is going to be a personal judgment. You are going to stand before God. You, you say, 
Could you imagine every single Christian standing before God? That would take an eternity. I want you to understand we're going to a place in a time where there is no time. In every single person, every single one of you here in this room, you, myself, every single person that's watching this on our television program, every single person that may be listening to this on our podcast, every single child of God, there is a personal judgment that's coming. You will stand before God. And you're going to give an account for yourself, not of someone else. You're not gonna give an account for your friend. You're not going to give an answer for your friend. You're not going to give an answer for your spouse. You're not going to give an answer for your children's decisions. You will give an answer for the decisions that you made in what you've done with Christ. This is a personal judgment. Every single person is going to give an account. And as Paul is writing this to the church, to the, to the church in Romans, and he's writing this to the church in Corinth as well, he's causing them to understand. He's getting them to see that there's something that we must daily be thinking about. There's something that we must every moment of every day be considering, and that is this. There's a judgment seat of Christ that you're going to stand at. And what you say and how you live in your actions and what you've done in your flesh, you're going to have to give account before God. He tells this to the church of Romans. He says this, let's go back to the book of Romans. Uh, he tells this to the church at Corinth and I wanna go back to the book of Romans chapter 14. He says in verse 10 again, he preferences, look, look, look at the question he asked in verse number 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? You see, if, if, if we were concerned with the judgment seat for us, we'd be less concerned what other people are doing. But if we're not careful, we live our entire life picking apart, judging, looking at what everyone else is doing wrong. And Paul says, you need to understand you're not gonna give an account for that. You're gonna give an account for you you're gonna give an account for the life that you lived. He says, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account what he say of himself to God. Could you imagine the life that was lived if we truly realized and believed that everything that we've done, God, God sees? Could you imagine if everything that we live, everything we say, everything we do, the life that we live, we understood as Christians that we are going to stand before God and give an account of the life that we lived? I wonder how marriages would be if both spouses realized that they're gonna give an account for God. I wonder what the church would be like, truly be like. I wonder what God could do in the midst of the church 
If every believer in the church truly realized that how they thought and what they did and their actions and their words and their behavior and their decisions, there's going to be an account before God. And we're going to stand before God and we take in context Romans chapter number 14 and he's speaking of this, this judgment seat of Christ, but he's saying it in context to how we respond or treat our brothers. I want you to see in verse number 13, he says this, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. You know what he's saying there? Let's stop judging each other and start looking at the decisions we're making. Let's stop picking everyone else apart and start saying, I'm responsible. Instead of looking what everyone else has done, what I'm going to do, I'm gonna make sure that I'm not living a life in such a way that's a stumbling block to somebody else. There's a judgment that's going to come. You know what we find in this passage of scripture? He doesn't speak of pornography. He doesn't speak of, of, of fornication here. He's reminding the Christian that there's going to be a day that we're going to stand before God. There's going to be a day that we're going to give an account of our life. In, the, in, that, in, in context here, what, he, what he's referring to and looking at is, is even in our relationship with each other. He says, you're going to give an account. And I want you to write this down. We are going to give an account for how we deal with each other. Here God, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit is dealing with his church and Paul is penning these words and he says, but why dost thou judge thy brother or why dost thou set at not thy brother? In verse 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather. And so, so what he's saying is let's stop doing this and start understanding and doing this. Let's, let's realize this, that we're not to put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in my brother's way. I'm gonna stop looking at what my brother's doing and start looking at what I'm doing. I'm gonna stop looking at how my brother's living and I'm gonna start looking at how I'm living. And what Paul is challenging the church with is this, there's going to be a a day that we're gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ and all those that claim the name of Christ, they are going to give an account of how they've dealt with the brethren. Maybe there's some that say this, you know, I'll just do whatever I want to do. I'll live however I want to live. It really doesn't matter to anyone else how I live. I want to say to you this morning, that's wrong. Paul says we're not supposed to live a way where we're a stumbling block to someone else. We're not supposed to live as Christians where we're an offense to someone else. We're supposed to live a peaceable life. We're supposed to live a a life pleasing to Christ. You know what I... I think every day that we wake up, we ought to realize this. My actions today are either going to push someone to Christ or promote Christ, or it's going to offend. I had someone visited, uh, visited with someone last week. They were in our church last Sunday morning. And I... I said, tell me, what, you, what do you think about the church? And this is what this person said to me. You guys don't sing. 
I said, I, I don't know. I sit in the front row. He said, we sat in the back and I said to my wife, if Jesus is important, you'd sing about him. And I said, we, um, nobody sang? He said, uh, not many. I said, did it encourage you or discourage you? And he kind of looked at me. He said this, he said, I didn't want to sing. I'd have been the only one around me. I thought to myself after I left that meeting and left that opinion of that person as they visited our church, I thought to myself, we were a stumbling block to them. If Jesus isn't great enough for us to sing about, then when we have someone to come in, what we're saying to them is, he's not great enough for us to sing about. To be honest with you, I walked away discouraged from that meeting. I thought to myself, boy, I wish I would have heard, boy, when I came in, the people were friendly. Matter of fact, he said that, he said, I couldn't get into door. He said about six or seven people greeted us. That was awesome. But when I got into sing, we thought, uh-oh, what's wrong? How I talk. What I say. Unfortunately, there was conversations that took place where people gossiped and, 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 and hurt and slandered. And when that happens, it hurts the cause of Christ. And what we do and what we say and how we behave becomes a stumbling block. The reality is this, we could say, I could say, you know what, I, I'm gonna preach six messages, six weeks of, of singing. The reality is this, we won't sing unless we see that we're going to give an account before the Lord one day. I could talk, I could preach six messages, six sermons. I could pre preach six sermons on gossip, on slander, on, 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 on wrong conversation. And the reality is this, nothing is ever going to change unless we understand we are going to stand before Christ and give an account one day. I could preach messages after messages on, on how to behave and, and how to behave like a Christian. And the reality is this, unless we realize, unless we truly understand, unless it is, is on our mind, unless we get our thoughts off of this world and realize that there is an eternity that's coming, unless we understand that there's a judgment seat of Christ that's coming in everything we do, our works, our behavior, what we do and how we do it and what we say and how we behave, all of those things, we're going to stand before Christ and you say, but I'm not going to lose my salvation. I'm still going to have heaven. But listen to me, the last thing I want to do is stand before a God who sent his son to die for me where I ought to be spending eternity in hell, but I'm not spending eternity in hell because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ and because of the resurrection of my Savior. I'm free from death. I'm free from hell, but I'm standing before the one that saved me. I'm standing before the one that died for me. I'm standing before the one that took every single sin 
sin that I've ever committed and became sin for me. I'm standing before the one that was beaten. I'm standing before the one that was bruised. I'm standing before the one that was nailed to the cross. I'm standing before the one that for the first time in eternity said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm standing before the Savior that gave his life for me and I couldn't live for him. I'm standing before the one that gave his life for me. And the things of this world are more important than the things of eternity. You say, I have liberty in Christ. Now that I'm saved, I can live however I want to live. I understand that, but Paul gives a warning. He says, yes, but don't use that liberty to offend another brother. You see, there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. And every single person is going to stand that knows Jesus Christ is going to stand at this judgment seat. And how we deal with each other is going to be judged. Secondly, I want you to see this in verse number 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Would you write this down? My time's gone. Would you write this down? Not only are we going to be judged on how we deal with each other, we're going to be judged on how we consider others above ourselves. I'm reminded of that verse, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ for, even for, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We need to consider others. You know what Paul is warning the Christian or, 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 or challenging the Christian to do? Consider ourselves. Consider, consider others above ourselves. Live for others. And then thirdly, he says in verse number 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things there wherewith one may edify another. You know what he's saying? There's going to be a judgment seat of Christ and what we, how we deal with others, we're going to answer for. If how we consider others, we're going to answer for. And then our desires and our actions we're going to answer for. He says this, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the what? The peacemakers. You know what we're commanded as Christians to do to walk in peace? To edify one another. That word edify means to build them up, to encourage, to strengthen Paul says there's going to be a judgment seat that we're going to stand before. And we think about, well, if, I, if I'm doing this sin or that known sin or that sin, I'm not, I, I, I don't lie and I don't cheat and I, I, I don't commit adultery. And boy, my judgment seat is going to be a, a great judgment seat because I don't do those things. I would say to you this, how do you deal with others? How is your dealing with others today? Are you considering others above yourself? How are your desires and your actions? Are you walking in peace? Are you edifying one another? If you would say no to any of those things, I would say to you today, you need to remember, you need to, you need to think, you need to come back to this, what Paul is bringing the, the Romans back to and the church at Corinth back to. He's bringing them back to this, that there is going to be a time where we're gonna stand before God. We're gonna give an account for how we lived. What are you doing with the gospel? How are you living? Peaceably, edifying one another, building them up. 
If not, there's going to be an account. You see, there's two judgments. One is for the lost. One, those that have rejected Christ. If you're here today and you've rejected Jesus Christ, you've never trusted him as your savior. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. It doesn't matter how religious of a person you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you've rejected the truth, you're going to stand before the great white throne judgment. And God is going to judge you based upon what you've done with Christ. If you've rejected Christ, eternity without God is your judgment. Hell is the judgment. If you have trusted Christ as your savior, there is a judgment seat in how you live, how you behave. We're going to answer to God. And I would say, church, every one of us in our heart right now ought to say, what judgment am I going to stand before? Number two, what is, what is my actions? What actions are going to be revealed here at this judgment? Am I going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Am I going to hear that God is, uh, crowns being placed, given to me so I could place back at the feet of Jesus Christ? Or is this judgment going to be one that things are going to be revealed because I've not dealt with my brother correctly. I'm not considering others above myself and I'm being judged on my desires in my actions, in how I live.